This is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. The Canadian Investor Podcast. Welcome in to the show. My name is Braden Dennis. As always, joined by the outstanding, astute, distinguished Simon Belanger. Wow, you got that's that's you just got way more than than normal. You're welcome. Awesome. We have, I <laughs> can <laughs> love it. We have a very fun episode today. It is our best businesses in the world list A through Z. So I was texting Mr. Belanger and I said, Hey, let's go through every letter of the alphabet each and give what we think is the best business in the world. Throw out valuation. Uh, you can pick specific businesses with inside of businesses. I did that quite a few times. Uh, but throw out valuation, throw out, you know, the management team. It's really kind of really around the business model and defensibility of it. Yeah, I I did it a little differently, but uh, I knew how you were going to do it. So I basically, <laughs> I know I just made sure it was public companies. That's it. Okay, as a whole. fair enough. So not very different. It was just that I decided to do it just public companies, but I know you had shown me a list you'd, you had on Stratosphere. So I, I knew you were going to pick specific kind of companies within larger companies, but uh, just a little twist and make sure we have different names too. The the rules for the writ, the list are very fluid, as you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, I could be convinced of, of any kind of subset of rules here. All right, so uh, let's go through each letter one by one. We'll do you first, then then me, and uh, for the most part, we just have like one name each. But sometimes there's just like I really need an honorable mention here, and yeah, yeah. Uh, so so that was hap- that happened a couple times. Do you want to kick us off here? Sure. So letter A, um, I chose ASML. I had a feeling you'd probably choose Apple. So I wanted to, to be a bit different, but mostly ASML just because it's, um, it's a sort of monopoly. Part of their business is a monopoly. Part of it is a duopoly, but what's not to like. And with the, you know, projection or direction we're going, especially with AI, but as a whole, you know, everything takes a semiconductor or a chip right now. So you're going to see more and more capacity to build these semiconductors and ASML will pay a key part in that because they make the machines that uh, enables that essentially. So deep ultraviolet, DUV and EUV. So it's, uh, it's a company that I think should have some tailwinds for years to come. So that's why I chose them. And mine is a customer of a customer of your their, your business you just mentioned. Uh, none other than the largest business on the planet, Apple. And it just felt like the you know I'd be kind of cheating myself by not saying them on this list. I mean, of course, they have built out just probably the most iconic brand, the most uh, you know a- addictive most successful consumer product ever uh, in the history world, uh, history of the world in both in many product categories. Now they've kind of created this glue of their ecosystem, which generates an absurd amount of cash. And so uh, I, I felt like I had to go there, but I had, I had some other kind of honorable mention here in A's. There's lots of good A's, uh, especially with publicly traded companies. I wanted to call out AutoCAD as just one of the most successful vertical market software products of all time. And of course, Amazon Web Services carving out an entire new era of computing out of nowhere with inside of a business. And I think that that's always very impressive. Uh, let's move on to uh, B for Braden. Yeah, go for it. You start this one. Oh, that's not even what I meant, but you're right. I should, <laughs> I should kick it off. <laughs> for S, you'll have to go first. I went with Berkshire. And um, lots of different ways I could go with this, but Berkshire is just an exemplary type of business, a special kind of business with a special kind of story and, and management team. And so I just felt right here. Yeah, I went with Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> I went with the now defunct, <laughs> <Yeah>. bankrupt. 
Hey, they're selling some of their intellectual uh, or, uh, you know, their online assets. But uh, jokes aside, I took Brookfield. Uh, but again, I think um, I put an honorable mention to Berkshire uh, just because of Buffett. And I think Berkshire will definitely rise to another level if in 15, 20 years when I'm assuming both you know, knock on wood, they they'll still be there. But I'm assuming that you know both Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger will have passed away. Let's say in 20, 25 years, there's going to be some time where the new leadership and Todd will be in place. So just to see how well they keep doing after, um, you know, Buffett and Munger are no longer there, it'll be really interesting. And if they do well, I mean, that's just another level to be able to get, you know, someone new that's not the face of the company running the show. I had a really funny realization about this while I was at the meeting because you had Ajit and, um, oh gosh, uh, oh, I'm forgetting the, the Canadian guy, Berkshire, uh, he runs the, the, the rail business. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you were there, so. Oh my God, Greg, Greg Abel. Greg. Oh, oh yeah. my God, it, yeah, it, it took me so long to come. So, so Greg runs, you know, the one side of the business. Ajit runs like the. Did insurance I confuse Greg with Todd, or there is a Todd? So Ted, <laughs> the, the 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 two T's, they run the investment portfolio. Oh, okay, yeah. Greg Abel runs the TC uh, Berkshire Energy and um, the the railroading business, and then Ajit runs the insurance business. Anyways, where I'm going with this is all the, you know, this roster that they've built up to replace themselves has now been in that position for so long because they're still at work. And like, if they They'll go probably like, retire before. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. what I had that realization. I was like, these aren't young guns anymore. You know, like as soon as they kind of took the role of in their late seventies and, and early eighties, which is now 15, 20 years ago uh, to kind of like be the next up in line. They've, you know, do they want to retire soon? Like they're all rich as hell. So uh, I had that that realization. Uh, all right. Did you do C yet? Yeah, I'll do C. So uh, yeah, we'll probably need to speed things up because we'll be here an hour and a half. <laughs> can't have, so can have Buffett uh, tangents every time. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I think I'll say two names here. So Canadian National Rail or CP. But really, you can put a lot of rail companies here. Um, it could be some of the U.S. ones, whether it's Union Pacific or some of the other ones. But there's just the natural mode around them, the regulatory approvals that would be required as well. So it's just it's just a wonderful business. I went with Costco uh, for you know kind of obvious reasons. I considered, of course, you know my largest position in Constellation Software, but I can't consider a roll up like the best business in the world. Maybe just the best the best execution of it in the world, but uh, I feel good about Costco. Yeah, can't, can't disagree with that, yeah. All right, let's go with E, no, D. Yeah, no, D, D, D. Yeah. wow. Uh, just learning the alphabet for the first time here. Uh, I went a little bit off the board here with, uh, with Deere, uh, yeah. John Deere. I think that, you know, my, my, Ag, my Aggie folks will, uh, will like this pick because this is some of the most impressive technology, one of the most impressive companies uh, that's just had such a great position in that market for such a long time. No, it's not some big growth stock, but but it is an impressively tremendous company with a pretty wide moat and just amazing tech. Like the tech in those machines now for the farming industry blows my mind. And I, I thought John Deere was a good pick here. No, that's a good pick. Um, my pick is Disney. Not, I, I'm aware the business is probably not, uh, you know, at its peak right now. Uh, but Bob Iger is back. And the reason why I really love Disney is just for the intellectual property. Because at the end of the day, that's the foundation of Disney. Whether you're thinking about theme parks or cruises or Disney Plus or content, like everything is based on that intellectual property. And there's just so many things they can do with that. And that's what makes Disney such a, a great business, in my opinion. Obviously, they, they do need to 
you know, right size this ship and make sure that uh, they invest in the right places and definitely reduce some debt as well. But um, just the intellectual assets are just it's just amazing. There's no substitute for brand value. Uh, there, there really isn't. It's 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 really hard to compete with. It's one of the powers of of strong businesses. Uh, e, I I chose I went off the board here. So this is a pub, this is a private company, and I wanted to use it as an example to bundle together all the large consulting firms. So E for Ernst and Young, most you know most commonly known as E and Y. You have these management consulting companies. Uh, the the big the big four accounting firms, the E and Ys, the Deloitte's, the PwC. KPMGs, yeah. and the and the PwC Pricewaterhouse Coopers. These are some of the largest businesses in the world by revenue, and they're super uh, fragmented in their own organizational structure by like the partner and the management teams. They have really interesting ownerships. And they do extremely well. They churn out tons of cash, tons of profit. No interest in going uh, public or anything like that. And it just deserves some sort of mention as incredible businesses that don't really get talked about because they are privately held. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good one for me. I chose Etsy. Uh, funny enough, because I sold my position in Etsy, but um, I still think the business is really good, just because they've really shown how well they can do, despite you know you know Amazon trying to get into that market over the years. Etsy has still been resilient. There's been a lot of good things happening with the platform. The one thing where I didn't love, and one of the main reasons I sold is one, the valuation was quite high, but the other one is. I feared that they were not treating their sellers well enough. And that is still a concern uh, for, for me in terms of Etsy is just to make sure you, they don't, eliny, el, you know, they don't piss off. I'll just say that. <laughs> I, thought I was having uh, issues with the word, but they don't uh, piss off their, um, uh, their consumer or sorry, their seller base. Yeah. Their seller base. That's yeah. right. That's the, mm. that's the, such an important part of their ecosystem is that seller base. All right, F, I chose Facebook, uh, the actual Facebook blue product, because just as soon as someone says Facebook is dead, you're forgetting about, you know, the, the billions of people that use it on a daily and monthly active user type, uh, type scenario. And, and yes, Instagram has kind of like surpassed it as maybe the most valuable asset in that base. But do not discount the category of 60 plusers, you know, the 50 plus year old Midwestern mom who just crushes it on Facebook and has an ARPU of like 80 to $90 per year. Like, do not, do not throw out that category. It is super, super profitable. And so good old Facebook blue is still kicking it and still making an absurd amount of cash. Yeah, and ARPU, for those not familiar, is just the average revenue per user. So just uh, the revenue per that, you know, the 60, 50-year-old, like, <laughs> like you're mentioning. Uh, but it also is they, a great demographic. Yeah, they also did well, too, with uh, the Facebook Messenger. So my wife uses it a lot for groups. She never uses, like, Facebook. It's basically Marketplace and Messenger. And I think they've done a good, you know, really good job of being able to monetize that as well. I love Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, it's no, great. it used to be Kijiji, and now I never go on Kijiji. I use uh, use um, Facebook Marketplace. The power uh, of network effects. Yeah, exactly. So for me, um, I stole one of yours. So I kind of struggle with letter F, but I ended up taking a Ferrari just because of you know the luxury good and just the exclusivity that they create and the power of the brand um it seems to stand the test of time and there's almost kind of this cultish aspect to owning a ferrari it seems like so um and you know they're really profitable so what's not to like with g i went with google search just good old Google search, one of the best businesses ever. It's been tested. It's had an interesting narrative over the last couple of years, or, or sorry, last couple of months, maybe year uh, now with the release of ChatGPT. I was quite skeptical of 
not skeptical. I was concerned about, you know, what does this do for search? And the data comes out that it hasn't budged search at all. And those tools are extremely useful. And, and, and I still believe that AI is going to completely change the way that people search and surface information and get things done. That opinion has not changed. However, they're able to layer it on pretty well with Google search and uh, monetize the heck out of that asset. It's like $23 billion in operating income. I think that that's pretty good. I have an honorable mention of GitHub, which is a Microsoft asset. I think it is becoming one of the most valuable assets in the world, Uh, not in terms of monetary value, but if you think about the actual value of all of the code that sits on GitHub, it might house the most valuable asset in the entire world. And I think that that's pretty spectacular. Microsoft bought that. That was really smart. Just one of the brilliant satulent Nadella moves. Uh, and I think that they're they're going to reap the benefits of that long term. Yeah. So for me, uh, I chose Genuine Parts Company. So ticker GPC. Um, they're a global distribution company for automotive and industrial replacement parts. And I mean, these kind of, they're not the only one in this space, but these kind of companies, they just do really well. <laughs> they just, uh, is it you just know, distribution? I believe it's mostly distribution. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with the company, but I, I you know, I looked at the financials quickly as I was, um, you know, uh, creating that they own. I think Napa Auto Parts too. That's mm. part of, that's under their brand, and they're not the only one. So there are other competitors, but they all seem to be doing quite well. So you know. It's a good business model, so I needed something for letter G with trying to go as just a whole publicly listed company, so that's why I chose them. So Home Depot, I don't think I need to explain what Home Depot is. I mean, they really have a strong, or I would say almost a duopoly between them and Lowe's, and Home Depot has just executed quite well over the years, uh, pays a nice dividend. It's a really stable business. Um, I mean, I feel like uh, they're not going to be dethroned anytime soon. Them and Lowe's, I mean, there is some fragmentation in smaller players, but um, really, really good uh, good business, not much more to add. I also chose Home Depot, so okay. nothing more to add there than it is. <laughs> then it smells incredibly good, of course. Yeah, uh, of course. I went in there last weekend just to. Yeah, then she sent me a smell text. the roses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said I said I'm pretty sure I send a photo of Home Depot yeah. every time I'm in Home Depot to you. Yeah, <laughs> just because uh, you know I, I'm just going in there to just go. Hmm. You know, lumber and appliances. How do you smell so good? I will go here with. I on Instagram, uh, you know, I'm doubling up here on the Facebook assets. That's boring. I want to give a shout out to IKEA, a private company that has kind of redefined retail. And it's just such an iconic household name, no pun intended, and has so much brand value. People love going there. Even, you know, say what you want about the quality of the stuff. There is a perfect product market fit for what they sell. Uh, and, and that is what makes Ikea so special. Yeah. No, I mean, if you don't like going to Ikea for the furniture, go for the meatballs. They have them vegetarian <laughs> yeah. or vegan and uh, just regular meatballs. For me, I'll go with Intuit. I'm surprised you didn't check uh, use that one. But yeah, with, whether it's TurboTax, QuickBooks, um, all the assets they own, obviously there could be with TurboTax some um, headwinds going forward but it's so sticky if you just think about quickbooks uh with small businesses once you're in that ecosystem i mean accountants uh are super familiar with that tool they can you can create a profile for them obviously we use it so i'm pretty familiar with it um just a really good company i mean they did what's the mail company again that mailchimp mailchimp yeah so I was thinking like Mail Monkey, but I'm like, no, that's not. That, yeah, you're you're not yeah. wrong. <laughs> Mailchimp. Um, I think that one is a little bit of. We'll have to see, you know, um, how it goes in that part. But um, for especially when you think about QuickBooks, uh, it's so sticky. So really good business model there. They've been aggressively raising prices on every product. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah, into it a little bit too. I mean, uh, QuickBooks. Yeah, QuickBooks yeah. a little bit. Well. Uh, 
just wait a bit because that that letter's coming up soon. So I didn't completely avoid uh, into it because you'll you'll see in a couple letters here. Okay. I'll go next. So letter J. So I took JP Morgan because if you're going to own a global bank that's too big to fail, it might as well be JP Morgan. So that's that's where I went for it. Everyone knows I'm not the biggest fan of banks in general. Um, and but you know, as a too big to fail bank, if I had to choose one, it would probably be JP Morgan. And you have the best banker running the best bank. Yeah, uh, with, with, with apparently, you know, there's been rumors that he might uh, put put his candidacy uh, for the 2024 yeah. elections. I don't know. He's been like shutting those down, but it'll be interesting. I think he would run as a Democrat. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we're talking here uh, for those unfamiliar. Yeah, with, Jamie with, Dimon <laughs> with Mr. Jamie Dimon, uh, who I've been calling JP Dimon recently because I think it it works. All right, Johnson and Johnson is my pick for Jay. Uh, you know, obviously one of these household name conglomerates that just have their hand in everything, wonderful brand equity, been extremely acquisitive and really well run through the years, nothing more to add. K, I went with another large private company of Coke Industries. Coke Industries is them and Cargill, if you know Cargill, the uh, the agricultural company, they are the number one and two largest private companies by revenue. And Coke Industries has a phenomenal story. I want to do an episode on the podcast about this founding story, this kind of family business of just turned into this huge, mega, giant, billion-dollar conglomerate that kind of just has their hands in everything industrial. A really impressive founding story. So, yeah, Kay, I chose Kroger. Um, so for American listeners, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. For Canadian listeners, if you're not familiar, they're uh, one of the larger grocer chains in the U.S. Um, so quite large company, I think around 35 billion market cap when I checked. And I mean, you're looking at very low margins here. So low single digits for their net profit margins. But again, as any good grocer, they do it on volume and it's a market. There's a reason why there's not like, you know, hundreds or thousands of grocers, uh, whether it's in Canada or the U.S. It's because it's a low margin business, but that also creates a, a bit of a barrier of entry. And I think it's uh, I think these are great businesses. Obviously, they've been getting a lot of flack, at least in Canada, uh, for, you know, their profits. And uh, at least Loblaws has been getting, I know, a lot of flack. Uh, maybe uh, the CEO, what is it, Galen or whatever. Yeah, Mr. Weston, Galen Weston. Mr. Weston. I think they need to stop the President Choice commercials with him, like, Every time, like, I saw it, like, a month or two ago, and I'm like, I don't know who their PR person is, but they really need to, like, <laughs> remove him from the commercials because this does not go well with the public when you have this CEO that's been grilled and pressure, media's yeah. putting pressure on it. Um, so, if you're listening to this, Loblaws, maybe... I don't consider... know why Galen wants to be in the limelight so much. I, don't I, I, really, I really don't know. I mean, I guess he's just kind of... He likes doing it and yeah. he likes, he likes making money and he, he, he likes doing it and he's done such a good job. Like, oh my God, it's unbelievable. I think Loblaws is the best grocer by a country mile. Uh, and I, and I really do stand by that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, come on, I'm you don't. You don't need to like. <laughs> I love Galen Weston because, like, you know, I just respect, uh, I just respect the game. Yeah. But like, you, you just got to know when you have a punchable face. You know, yeah, you just got to know <laughs> when there's a lot of flag. I mean, maybe they have removed those commercials, but to me, it's just like with all the bad press they've been getting, like, you know, do some commercials, just remove him. Like, just, yeah. you know, I like you don't me, see Zuck doing the commercials for Instagram. No, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, even though he'd love to too much time on grocers. So, uh, 
Um, L Lululemon. So I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. I'm not big in investing in fashion companies, but I have two that are on this list. I will not spoil the next one, but people can probably figure out which one it is. And there's, you know, Lululemon is one of the few companies that's in fashion as a, and has stood the test of time. So I don't think I need to say more wonderful margins, a great company. And when you think they've, you know, they should be stopping and grow. Uh, you know, the growth should stop. It just keeps on going. Yeah, category defining. Uh, lots for L. Uh, no, no pun intended there. Uh, but I went with Lockheed Martin. And yes, you can have some opinions about the the business and the you know the the industrial war complex and the business of war and the machines that they make. And the you know the kind of will the U.S. puts on the rest of the world with these fancy machines that Lockheed Martin makes, but it is undeniably an incredibly good business. The U.S. government has never ever once had a president that spent less on the military than the previous president. I don't suspect that changes uh, globally. You know you. you you got to have the best machinery and Lockheed Martin makes the most advanced planes, the most advanced machinery. And, uh, you know, despite what they do, you got to think that an F-35 is a pretty cool machine. All right. uh, Next up, M for MasterCard. Uh, This kind of goes without saying, you know, Visa, MasterCard, two of the best businesses of all time. 57% free cash flow margins. Do I have to say anything else? No, no. Um, I'm going to go with McDonald's, the Golden Arch. I mean, say what you want about McDonald's. I know it's a very polarizing business for a lot of people, uh, but reality is it stood the test of time and they do well in any economic environment. Uh, Even when people have less money to spend, they actually will probably go to McDonald's because they offer good value. You know, the food's probably not the healthiest as a whole, but... I mean, you can't argue with uh, with McDonald's. I, they've just grown. I think I have a graph here. Um, again, free cash flow per share. It's not the only metric, but I think it's always a good indicator. Uh, they've grown at close to a bit more than 7% annually, compounded annually over the last uh, close to 10 years, which is really impressive over such a long period of time. It's just one of those businesses, right? Like, Mickey D's, it's got that brand value, it's got that distribution, and the value proposition remains extremely strong. You get some good tasting greasy muck for less than the price of groceries. Yeah. So yeah. that value proposition has remained strong for a long, long time. And you know what? I, I care a lot about my health. I, I work out quite a bit. I, I try to be, you know, relatively aware of what I eat, not perfect, but oh boy, I can smash some Mickey D's. You bet, you bet, you bet I could smash some Mickey D's just about any time. Yeah. And one, one last thing about McDonald's is I've traveled quite a bit and if there's one thing that's consistent, at least pretty consistent, maybe not identical, but really close where I can't tell the difference is McNuggets in Canada, the U.S. or Europe, they all taste the same. And they all taste amazing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now, the next name, so I alluded to that earlier. So for me, it's Nike letter N. Uh, Like I said, not usually a fan of fashion uh, investments, but... I mean, it's hard to argue with Nike not being a wonderful business because they have stood the test of time. Yes, they've had some short-term issues over the years, but they're that. They're short-term issues over long periods of time. Nike just, you know, they just crush it. Yeah. I I agree. I mean, again, with the Lululemon thing, it's like I, I run from fashion, but there's a couple of category-defining businesses. I went with the NFL uh, and the reason I went with the NFL is it is in a league of its own. Uh, you know, and yes, it's, it's a league, but it is in a league of its own in terms of value and the franchise value of each of the, of the teams that exist within, within it. Every single team 
is in the top 50 most valuable sports franchises in the world. And that competes with, of course, gigantic franchises all across the world for every major sports league, and namely soccer. So uh, the NFL has a extremely unique position. It's actually a fascinating way that the business is run, uh, the dynamic between the league and the, the broadcast rights and the teams. It's really kind of fascinating how it all connects together. And there's only one NFL. They have come out with multiple new American football leagues, and they have all failed <laughs> time and time again. Uh, there's no replacement for the great NFL. I was just going to say the one that's most intriguing from the big sports, I think it's it's probably the NBA because it has a broader appeal globally. But I agree with you in the U.S. It's still the NFL's number one. But the NBA probably has more growth ahead in terms of globally because let's be honest, like the – you know, American football, I'll include Canadian football into that. It's very, you know, it's concentrated in terms of fan base in North America. Yeah, there are fans around the world, but the vast majority is in North America. That's right. And the NBA has lost a significant amount of viewership since 2013. I believe the stat is about 40% of viewership lost in the NBA. And most sports leagues have, have suffered uh, a familiar fate, even though the broadcast deals keep getting more expensive. The NFL has increased viewership by double digits every year during that time, pra- time frame. So it's, it is a bit of a true outlier uh, from that perspective. O was really hard. Why are there not better O businesses? Yeah, I had a hard time too. So like, I- it doesn't seem like there is. And then I'm like, I'm really... After this, I'm going to think of an amazing one and and really rack my brain after this because there's got to be some. And people are listening at, at home. Well, like, oh, I have oh, one God. while you're... Did you pick one? Yeah, go. Okay. I did. I picked I picked OpenAI just because, okay. yeah. uh, you know, they're, they're carving out just such an important developer yeah. ecosystem with the GPT API. Of course, ChatGPT was a, you know, a worldwide success. But the, the underlying technology and the underlying models that they're they're building a developer ecosystem on top of my company included, uh, is what's really, really valuable here. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, it'll be interesting to see how good of an actual business is it is, though, like five years down the line. I think uh, you can make a case for both, right, probably, but um, that'll be interesting. For me, I went uh, Buffett style. So I took Occidental Petroleum. Um, so again, mm. there wasn't that much available under O. So um, jokes aside, though, they generate free cash flow like there is no tomorrow. They return lots of capital to shareholder via buybacks and dividends. Uh, there are diversified oil and gas play with production pipelines and chemical revenues. So um, I looked a little bit at the metrics and I can see why uh, Warren Buffett likes this company. So I ended up just adding it because like you, I had trouble finding uh, an O name. Now the next one, uh, Pepsi. I think Pepsi, I mean, they're literally in a duopoly with Coca-Cola, so um, there's not too much to add there. I actually prefer Pepsi over Coca-Cola, mainly because they have the Frito-Lays uh, segment, which has been quite resilient, and uh, I mean, you can't really go wrong with either of them, but uh, Pepsi just felt like uh, the perfect name for P. You uh, took the words right out of my mouth. I, I, I will drink Coca-Cola over Pepsi probably, but as an investor, my capital, I think, is better served with Pepsi. I mean, they trade basically at identical market caps, but the Frito-Lay business, man, you just called it out. My God, it is uh, it is a good business, and, and Pepsi was my pick as well. I hinted at this before. For Q, I am picking QuickBooks, which is that intuitive asset. Uh, sort of, yeah, that in- Intuit asset, intuitive. <laughs> and it is an intuitive asset in the fact that, oh boy, it is extremely sticky, dominates a certain segment of the market. It has product, perfect product market fit for basically every small and medium-ish company. And uh, they've really built an important kind of professional ecosystem of accountants using it and knowing how to use it for their clients. And that's really kind of hard to displace. No, that's good. Um, So I actually came up with one on the spot. So um, it's actually a 
Canadian company, so Quebecor Media or Quebec Quebecor Incorporated. So, for those not familiar with this name, so they own um, it's a tele well, I guess media conglomerate. I guess telecom. They own Videotron, which is predominantly in Quebec. So they have you know cell phones, um, internet. Uh, I think you know other properties as well. I think they own some newspapers too. Um, so yeah, I couldn't find a name, and then I'm like, oh, Quebec Media is uh, is one that I'll probably uh, I'll just add in. So I did it on the spot. <laughs> I didn't really look at the metrics because I left Q blank, and then I'm like, oh, there's actually one in my backyard. This is like correlated to Scrabble. Isn't Q worth ten points on? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> on a Scrabble yeah. board, it's uh, this is very correlated. All these, all the ones that are easy to do also have big businesses aside with them. Yeah, the next one I chose a letter R, so Rio Tinto. So for those not familiar, they're a massive mining company that produces aluminum. And massive is not an understatement. I believe they have a hundred billion in market cap. They're the largest non-China slash Russia-based aluminum producer in the world. I think that's important with the current geopolitical climate that we're seeing, especially with China and Russia. But they also mine iron ore, copper, and minerals. Clearly, this is a company that will be impacted by the price of commodities. But um, nonetheless, I thought it was a really good name for our... Maybe they will mine the uh, constituents required for LK99. The superconductors. Yeah, like you talked about in the previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, my pick was Rolex here. Uh, I think it is just such an iconic brand, wonderful margins. There's like no replacement for just like how valuable this brand is. And there's lots of luxury watches, but Ro- there's not a person on the planet who doesn't know what a Rolex is. And that's really kind of hard to, to replicate. Uh, for a public company one, I did talk about Roper here. Roper is a roughly $50 billion industrial and software conglomerate roll-up, grow-by-acquisition strategy. I have personally owned Roper stock for oof, at least five-plus years and a very happy shareholder. Yeah, I was just going to comment on Rolex. So I read and I haven't listened to the conference call or anything, but uh, apparently LVMH, which is obviously in the same kind of luxury market, um, they've seen some pressure now in their sales because they have kind of two target customers. One is the affluent, so the very rich that can afford the products pretty much regardless of the uh, economic climate. And then there's the aspirational <laughs> consumers that can't really. I knew afford- you were going with that. And oh, yeah. I love it. But you know, it's true. Huh? You have yes. these consumers that, you know, maybe got stimulus checks or, you know, in the era of easy money, they were wanting to buy these luxury goods. And now that, you know, there's pressure on them, inflation is higher, less disposable income, they've actually, you know, said that they're seeing those cons- consumers impacted and less able to buy some of their goods so i don't know whether you know well it's something to keep on because you know i think we're both similar on the same pages typically luxury goods tend to do well regardless of the economic environment because the richest people tend to still be rich Uh, but it'll be interesting whether that has a meaningful impact in their business for uh, not just a couple quarters but uh, the next few years to come and maybe even beyond Yes, and I love the way you put that because let's use Rolex for example, or or any LVMH asset, right? There is the consumer who can buy twenty Rolexes and not even blink, like it doesn't even it doesn't even move a, a single decimal point on their bank account, like they they don't even notice because they're hi- they have hyper wealth, and then there's the person who's buying the Rolex who should not be buying the Rolex. And those people are hard to distinguish in a world where you have flashiness on Instagram and everyone never, never doubt people's willingness to spend money they don't have to impress people they don't know. And that's exactly where these kinds of products sit. But it sits in an exclusive category of true luxury. There's aspirational luxury and there's true luxury and, and Rolex is true luxury. 
All right, I'll go with S uh, S and P Global. I've talked about the stock many, many times here on the podcast. Of course, one of the premier credit rating agencies, analytics business, software company. They have their hands in everything with the equity and financial markets, and uh, I am a shareholder myself. Yeah, so I chose Simon Property Group. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, it just felt too easy. But uh, for those interested in mall REITs that are high quality malls in the US, uh, I encourage you to look into this name. Um, there is a lot of things to like about this company. But for real, I chose Starbucks just because, um, you know, I think they've done a really good job over the years uh, to, you know, grow their revenues, grow the amount of stores that they have. Obviously, the China rollout has hit some bumps here and there. But for the most part, I think they have a good pulse on the consumer and how much they are able to push prices. I've seen some price increase. Like, we do like to go to Starbucks once in a while, but they've been manageable i would say so they're not you know i think they know the limit where if they do it too much they'll kind of get rid of part of their consumer base so i i i mean the brand name is there it's uh, i think it's a great business if you're looking at a coffee kind of coffee chain starbucks is one of those brands right where they just demand pricing power and that's why it deserves to be on this list. Any any company that just without a doubt demands pricing power, typically it's a pretty good business. Yeah. So um, the next one is T. So I chose, um, I'll give an honorable mention. So TSMC, if you forget about the geopolitical concerns here, I think it's um, it's in a league of its own when it comes to, uh, you know, making these semiconductors, whether it's from NVIDIA or Apple or, you know, pick your consumer that deals with TSMC. They they have such a stranglehold on their market. Um, I mean, they produce 90% of the world's most advanced chips, so I don't think you need to know more there. And as an honorable mention in the T in the semi semiconductor space as well is Texas Instruments that kind of, you know, doesn't focus on the high tech stuff as much, but they they really have that analog kind of semiconductor market uh, really uh, you know really covered. I know there are some competitors, but um, they've they've stood the test of time. So I would not doubt them to keep going and you know being in a market that seems to be forgotten by some of the other semiconductor players. Ditto. I have the exact same two names here as well. So uh, nothing more to add. I will go here with United Health for you. Uh, you. United Health is one of the largest businesses on the entire planet. They have such a strong position in the healthcare business in the US and has just been one of the most premier compounders of free cash flow per share. And, and compound uh, annual growth rate of the stock for the last 20 years that it deserves a mention here for you. Yeah, no, that's a good one. For me, it'll be Uber. I wouldn't have said that a few years ago, but they've really turned the profitability around. Um, Lyft is kind of an afterthought, in my opinion now. Um, So they're really becoming the player. Clearly, profitability and the economics around it could be a bit better, but with autonomous driving at some point arriving, who knows? I think your guess is as good as mine, but I'm assuming AI and the advancement there will probably help towards that. Um, I think the business models should improve. But uh, I mean, if you live in a major city, um, I don't know anyone who doesn't use Uber, at least in one way, one form or another um, in there, you know, in a month, for example. Yeah. I like how you opened that up with, I don't know if I would have said this a few years ago, because neither would would I have. And I'd be shocked that, you know, either of us would even consider it on this list back then because the unit economics seemed horrendous. It just seemed like a business that was alive because of venture capital and low interest rates. And now I can't say that, that, that anymore. I, I do think that they have just carved out this global global business with actual profitability really no competition in the drivers anymore and 
you know, a, a decentish, high, com- highly competitive uh, food business there as well. Yeah, well, I, th- I think one of the things that helped them is the fact that Easy Money was done with, because a lot of their competitors, especially in the delivery space, um, got sold or simply went out of business, and Uber was one of you know, was able to sustain that. And I think it was good for them because when interest rates were so low and, you know, money was being thrown at all these different competitors, uh, it was much harder for Uber to be profitable because they had so much competition. And if you're charging way more than a competitor, at some point, people will switch. So I think it was actually good for them. Yeah, I agree. You're right. It's like, it was a low interest rate VC fueled phenomenon that is not going to maybe come ever again or, or for a long time. And that really gives it a kind of unique competitive advantage to exist here for the long term. Because in what world would that business have been able to keep burning cash for so long as they got scale? Yeah. Right? Like it's pretty, it's pretty tough. All right. I will go with Visa. For for V uh, for for mentions that are the exact same as as M for Mastercard, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, same for me. So I chose Visa. Um, so I'll go for my next one. W Walmart. Um, I think there was a couple of good names here. Uh, Walmart. I mean, I think what is there. You know, what is there to say in terms of Walmart? Um, I mean, it's just a global company and they're so massive. Yes, it's low margins, but I think they've stood the test of time. They have a big online presence right now, so it's hard not to like them. The big W. I mean, the the distribution, the scale is so hard to compete with. Uh, just, a, just an incredible business. Uh, I also said uh, the, the, big, the big W there. I gave some honorables to some of the waste management businesses. Uh, waste management, of course, the name waste management in the U.S. and uh, waste connections, which is now a North American business, but a TSX listed stock as well. And even WSP Global, because WSP Global is a Canadian listed engineering firm that has been kind of under the radar. Well, one because it only trades on the TSX doesn't get talked about that much in, in the circles I'm part of. And they have been a phenomenal share, uh, phenomenal performer. I've owned it for, for many, many years. And so uh, I think it deserves an honorable mention here. Yeah. So I don't know what they to write here, X. but it seems it seems <laughs> like I just wrote dot, dot, dot for maybe X for uh, yeah. Elon's X.com. I, I don't know any other businesses that start with an X and this one is X. Yeah, that's what I wrote too. I don't, I'm not sure it's a great business, but uh, I just wrote X. So <laughs> yeah. that's, let's leave it at that. It's um, a business. It's a business. Yeah. Uh, so for why um, I chose Yum Brands. For those not familiar, they own KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell. There's also Yum Brands China, but this one um, I'm taking about the main one here. Um, you know, they have some really solid brands and they've grown their free cash flow per share at close to 10% um, as compounded annually over the last five years. So they've done something right. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those you know food conglomerates that you're like, people eat there? <laughs> and, then, and then you see the numbers, you're like, oh, people are certainly eating there. Uh, I'm not, but I'm, I'm glad some people are. Uh, good for you. Uh, for why I went with YouTube, I mean... Uh, for very obvious reasons, it's just such a dominant business. It owns the category. It is gigantic in itself now. And I think that it's gaining and gaining and gaining market share right now in a world where there's so many streaming competitors. YouTube is dominating. Uh, they're taking market share on the music side uh, with their their YouTube music, their YouTube premium subscription to not have the ads. So they've they've monetized it that way. And then of course, the the largest piece of the business, the actual ads is, is incredible. I also want to give a shout out to Y Combinator, which is a Silicon Valley based accelerator that's very well known in the in the startup ecosystem. They were the early backers of Airbnb, Stripe, uh, what else? Y Combinator. You know Paul Graham? He's the one that started this. What are, the, what are the big winners? Y Combinator winners. Stripe, Instacart, OpenSea, uh, Airbnb, 
gosh, there's so many. You you know these more than I do. Deal, Gusto, Flexport. All of those Zapier, which I actually is my Z. You can see there at the on my list, the Z. So they backed my Z pick here. Retool. Dude, all of these businesses are approaching, if not already, billion dollar valuations. Many of them have gone public. You know, many of them are household names like Airbnb. They are the premier startup accelerator in Silicon Valley, and uh, they deserve an honorable mention because they take a piece of those businesses. I think they invest like 500K and they take a five or 10% position. I forget what it is. And they own, uh, they make some pretty good returns, that's for sure. Uh, so to round that out, my Z pick is Zapier, which is a, Business I just mentioned, funded by Y Combinator, but Zapier helps you connect all your different business like business apps together, and they are huge. Um, I don't know if you've ever used it. No, I haven't. And I forgot to do Z or Z, uh, should I say? <laughs> Z, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, Z. Um, I forgot to do it. Maybe I'll put uh, honorable mention for Zillow, uh, ticker Z. Um, that's the, I think it's the most visited real estate site in the U.S., uh, for people looking to buy and sell homes, uh, it's not been. It's, I'm not super familiar, so I was just scrambling for a Z name, but uh, that's one that I'll put. I'm not sure if it's the best business, so I take this one with a grain of salt. Yeah. Were they doing the eye buying, or was yeah, that I just because so. uh, yeah, Open Door th- and and Redfin were doing that, and they got yeah, I think so. They kind of got caught doing- with their pants down. <laughs> Yeah, I think they were, and I think they may have done some like buying and renovating and reselling as well, but I think they got out of that business. Um, but, you know, looking for a Z, and <laughs> that's what yeah. I came up with. Yeah. Yeah, the stock's been getting crushed, but I know that their website is super, super popular. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the A to Z list, folks. It's uh, That was a grind. Uh, we got, uh, you know, all of them done here. Yeah, and, uh, just a little bit of rambling, not too just much. Just a little just bit of yeah. rambling in between. Of course, there's many, many businesses that could be picked as honorable mentions. Yeah. If you want to see the full list, this this list, we will post it to our website at thecanadianinvestorpodcast.com. At the top, there's on the navigation, there's a button called Show Notes. The last post there on July 25th is Braden's Cell Framework. The newest one will be called... Best businesses in the world list A to Z. So you can see the entire list that we have broken out there. I encourage you to go check that out at thecanadianinvestorpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in a few days. Take care. Bye-bye. The Canadian Investor Podcast should not be taken as investment or financial advice. Braden and Simone may own securities or assets mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment or financial decisions.